0: I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This is Fried Squirms. Shit, I didn't even ask what number this is. What number is this, Danny? This is number 128. 128. I'm super excited for Swamp Thing. Before we get into it all, I don't have any news from the week, once again, because I spent the entire weekend with my little sister. Oh, that's so really cool, though. I'm still in the mode where I'm getting, like, caught up on everything. I think the only news I saw from this week is what you sent me the other day. <laughs> and that's only, like, tangentially horror-related.
1: Right on. <laughs> no, I've pretty much has been low-key for the most part, as far as just, like, personal bits. Just getting back into playing some Skyrim. <laughs> but... As far as the horror news, I do have a couple of bits to share both on the TV side and on the movie side. So just like, I think last week I started off with the TV, so I'll go ahead and do it that way as well. So a director we've actually covered, Ben Wheatley, the film that we reviewed, Kill List. It looks like his next project is a zombie series called Generation Z. It's for the UK's Channel 4. It looks like it's kind of themed around the Brexit okay. thing that's happened in the UK. It looks kind of interesting. It says it's going to feature rapacious baby boomers and disaffected teenagers at each other's throats. It also looks like it's kind of mixing like the bleakness of the youth, of course, with the old, the whole political thing that's going on. Hmm. So it'll be interesting. I mean, we do like Ben Wheatley. Highly recommend Kill List if you haven't seen it already. Maybe it can make Brexit more comprehensible. Yeah. Because, I think
0: so. man, we might have some fucked upness going in our politics right now, but Brexit is also its own fucking...
1: Yeah, it depends on how you view it <clears throat> economically, too, and what it means in terms of... It's I, one I of know those things kind where, of like, contingent.
0: a lot of the issues over here, yeah. it's like either the right or the left will yeah, mostly agree right. with it. Yeah, It's not that well split with Brexit.
1: Yeah, it has a big impact, <laughs> for sure. This is something you and I kind of went Mm -hmm. off on a tangent last night, is the fact that we learned Kevin Smith and Netflix are joining forces to do a new Masters of the Universe animated series, which is really dope.
0: That's really dope. It's also slightly horror-related, I want to point out, because one of the writers on the show is Mark Bernardin, who
1: also wrote on Castle Rock. That is pretty awesome. So... They do have a list of a few people who are on board. One that you have mentioned, Mark Bernardin. There's also Eric Carrasco, who's helped with Supergirl. Tim Sheridan, who's done Reign of the Supermen. Daya Mishra, she's done Magic of the Gathering as well. So it looks like Smith is also serving as executive producer and showrunner. Pretty excited about that. All right, so now we're going to go towards the movie side. A film that you and I and a group of friends went and seen more recently, and that was Ari Astor's Midsommar. It is heading to Blu-ray in October. Unfortunately, it doesn't include the Director's Cut, but it does have some interesting special features on this. So both versions, whether you get Blu-ray or DVD. I might hold out for the Director's Cut. I think I might do the same. Two of the features that they'll have is Let the Festivities Begin, Manifesting Midsummer, which is a featurette, and the other one is Bear in a Cage promo, <laughs> which is really cool, so. For those who haven't seen it and/or want a Blu-ray copy, it will be dropping on October eighth, which is really cool. I hope they do
0: another run of a Cage to coincide with the Blu-ray. They might. I hope so. Because I really want to get dope. my hands on a Cage.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can see why it sold out so fucking I quick. I want to too.
0: put a a Cage next to oh, my Funko Black Phillip.
1: Hell yeah! I think yeah. it would be nice. And my Funko
0: Swampy that's Ooh. overlooking us today, considering Hell the like episode. No.
1: Right, so that bit of news that I sent you earlier in the week, it does pertain to a video game franchise. It's also been turned into a film several times over, and the film slash video game I'm talking about is Mortal Kombat, so they have found their Melina, Raiden, and Jax. Now, I think
0: more, too. I think they have uh, uh, Liu Kang already. Yeah, they do.
1: They have Liu Kang mm-hmm. and Sub-Zero, so Joe Taslam is going to be playing Sub-Zero, and Ludie Lin is playing Liu Kang. The other people who are going to fill out those roles are Makad Brooks. He's from Supergirl. He's going to be playing Jackson, and Jax Briggs. Then you're going to have Tadanobu Asano, who we've talked about because of Ichi the Killer. He is going to be playing Raiden. And it looks like a newcomer, Sissy Stringer, is playing Melina, which is really cool. And, of course, we talked about the fact that it's James Wan produced. I film. love
0: Tadanobu Asano. Dude, hell yeah. I've mentioned a few projects of his that I really enjoy seeing him in. I'm super excited that he's That's getting true, more visibility over here, slowly and slowly. Also, if you're a fan of gore, don't sleep on this, because they've been yeah. promising video game accurate fatalities, so... We should have Sub-Zero decapitating someone and with their spine hanging out.
1: There. I'm okay with that, if that's the case. Mm-hmm. They all have their own really dope fatalities, so we'll see what happens with that. But it does look like the film is slated for a March 5th, 2021 release.
0: We might have Tatanobu Asano shocking someone into pieces.
1: That'd be fucking dope, wouldn't it? Right? <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm alright with that. All right, so the last little bit of news that caught my eye is the fact that we've been talking about this guy quite a bit recently, and that's Alexandra Aja. Now, it looks like he is directing a choose-your-own-adventure horror movie with the Hill House team. So I kind of read a little bit about this. It sounds like throughout the film, it's going to be a unique is what's experience. Happening.
0: And this is what's happening, and it's not that rumor
1: that we reported on a couple weeks ago. Right, so this is an interesting thing, I think. I don't know how well mm-hmm. it's going to work out. So... What this film is going to enable its viewers, and this is what's going to make it unique to every single audience, is the fact that you'll be able to control the fate of characters based on app. So while you're watching it, people will vote on what they want to see happen next, maybe to certain characters, maybe the plot development. And depending, of course, on those votes in the theater, it'll change the outcome as the movie plods along. And it'll be unique to each and every single theater because of that reason. So we'll see what happens. I know that they have already, you know, cutting down on people using phones in the first place in movie theaters. We'll see what happens. When, when the them. phone's a part of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know how well that'll play over, but it's still an interesting concept nonetheless.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. I think that's a neat idea. You might as well try it out.
1: Yeah, if nothing else, I think you'll have a good director for I it. I mean,
0: Bandersnatch already kind of tried it out. Yeah, but and
1: I think that's probably why they're basing it off of it mm-hmm. a little bit to see how far they can go with the concept. But cool. I still think good. it's interesting. Yeah, Good
0: concept. I think it's a fun concept. I mean, I loved choose your own adventure books when I was a kid. So. Yeah, who didn't? They're always yeah.
1: fun. So, yeah, that's a little bit of the news that caught my eye as far as horror bits for the week. And outside of just hanging out playing video games, I haven't really been doing a whole lot. Well, shit, yeah. I suppose, in that case,
0: we should just jump into the Guts and Bolts and talk about who and what went into this movie. And then our guest should be arriving to talk more in-depth about Swamp Thing. Yeah. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts. Wes Craven's Swamp Thing. I know, Let's right? not fucking forget that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which is really cool, considering how many times we've reviewed some of Wes Craven's films. This is just another one to the collection for us. Maybe arguably not horror. Yeah, you argue it. But I have
0: to imagine that they were trying to sell it at least a little bit on the horror side, considering you have Wes Craven directing and you have Adrian Barbeau coming in straight off of, like, Creepshow.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And uh, what, like... The fog, or something, yeah. Yep, she was uh, in that as well, so yeah, it makes sense. Oh, uh, I guess Creep is the same year, but I mean, still, still same sort, you know what I mean. Plus, Fomb Thing originally was a horror comic, even before it got a little bit more into the weird side, which we'll talk about later. But anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself. We're gonna try to keep spoiler free in this section, and we'll start off with a synopsis. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna take the synopsis straight from the movie. That's fine. Because we're going to be talking about
1: so many different variations of Swamp Thing later on, anyhow.
0: So, in the very beginning of the movie, it opens up with a couple passages for you to read. And it ends up just saying, Not long ago, in the unexplored reaches of an unmapped swamp, the creative genius of one man collided with another's evil dream and a monster was born. Too powerful to be destroyed, too intelligent to be captured, this thing still pursues its savage dream. (laughs) How about that for a synopsis? There you go. Because that's this movie.
1: I agree. Yeah. (laughs) I can't argue with that. So, yeah, that's a a nice brief synopsis of kind of what to expect from the 1982 Swamp thing from Wes Craven. And, of course, we like to talk about our cast and crew from movie to movie. This week, I'll lead off, of course, with our crew, and we've already talked about our director, who is Wes Craven. Now, he's got a wealth of films to his credit. I marked down just a few because we have reviewed a lot of his films in the past, some of those films that we've reviewed include the hills of eyes we've talked about a nightmare on elm street the serpent in the rainbow the people under the stairs scream and of course he's got a catalog of films outside of that just as well and including in his director's credit he's also credited for writing the screenplay now this of course is based off of the comic books and creator is Len Wein and the artist was Bernie Wrightson. Right, our cinematographer on the film is Robert Greenberg. He is known as Robin Goodwin in this film. Now he has been the cinematographer for such films as Free Willy, believe it or not. Wow. He's also credited for Under Siege Part 2. Guess what? He does a lot better job in Free Willy. <laughs> I would tend to agree. <laughs> Uh, he's done The Under Siege 2, Dark Territory. He's also known for his films Fools Rush In, the film Snow Day, and the film Wild Hogs more recently. Our editor on this film is Richard Bracken. Now, he's known for editing such films as The Hills Have Eyes, Part 2. He's also done Power Rangers Turbo from 1997, and then subsequently with Power Rangers, he's also done In Space in 98, Lost Galaxy in 99. Time and Wild Force from 2001 and 2002. So he did a lot of stuff for Power Rangers. All right. The music was composed by Harry Manfredini. Is another guy we've talked about before because of Friday the 13th. Now he's done everything from parts one through seven. There was a break in between and then he returned for parts nine and Jason X. He's also composed the music for the movies House one, two and four He's also composed the music for The Hells of Eyes, Part 2, and we've actually talked about him because of his film, Wishmaster, as well. Mm -hmm. All right. This film was produced by Benjamin Milnecker and Michael E. Uslin. Production company was Swamp Films. The distributor for this was Embassy Pictures. They helped with the 1982 United States theatrical release. Release date was on February 19th of 1982. So... For anybody who's doing math, I would have been literally three months old. When and I was born. <laughs> so yeah. The budget for this film was an estimated two and a half million dollars. You wanna guess how much it grossed, Tyler?
0: Oh, I don't have it in front of me. Good. It's just um, a rough guess? I'm gonna guess seven.
1: How about eighteen million dollars? That's better than I thought that it would do. That's crazy. <laughs> not gonna nuts. lie. I do have a tagline for this film. What's it up against in 1982? 82? Oh, man, that's hard for me to guess right off the top of my head. I'm not sure. I'd have to take a look. All right, so the tagline that I do have is, Science transformed him into a monster. Love changed him even more. It's not too bad.
0: Okay. I mean, that's part of it, but that's not really the movie that we watch. No,
1: no, no, no. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it involves a little bit of that, the latter, that is. Okay, so... That was our crew. We'll go ahead and move along with our cast, which is actually pretty rich in actors and actresses. So leading off, I have Ray Wise. who plays the role of Dr. Alec Holland. And
0: uh, Ray Wise is my favorite on-screen devil.
1: He's awesome, yeah. He I know we've the talked about this series. He's the
0: in the TV series Reaper.
1: Yeah, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, some people might know him for starring in such films as Robocop. I know him more recently because he was a Leland Palmer in the Twin Peaks television series from 1989 through 1991. He also reprised that role in Twin Peaks Fire Walk With Me, which was the movie. He was also in the films Bob Roberts. He was in the film Powder. He was also in Jeepers Creepers Part 2. He was in the film Good Night and Good Luck. He was also a part of 24, the television series back in 2006. He was in the film One Miss Call. He's been in a ton of television series and movies since. He has a wealth of credits to his name, but very familiar face. It was cool seeing him in this role. All right, moving along, we have Adrienne Barbeau. She plays the role of Alex Cable. And some people might know her because she started in a television series back in 1972, and it lasted through 1978, and that was the television series Maud. We've mentioned that she was in John Carpenter's The Fog. She was also in Escape from New York. You want to know why? She was one time married to John Carpenter, (laughs) so it makes sense. She was also in the films The Cannonball Run. She was also in Creepshow we mentioned earlier. She was in the Crate segment. Now, she voiced, I think it was controls or like a command control in the film The Thing. She was also in the comedy Back to School, if you like Rodney Dangerfield. She was in Two Evil Eyes. I think she was in a segment from that. She also voiced some characters from Batman the Animated Series. Back in 92 through 95, she was also a part of the Drew Carey Show from 98 to 2004. She was also in Carnival from 2003 and 5. She was in the film Argo. And more recently, she was also, I think, a voice in Death House. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, damn, go figure. All right, the next actor I have is Louis Jordan. He plays the role of Anton Arcane as a French actor. He was known for the films Gigi. He was also part of the 1977 film Count Dracula. He was in a James Bond film, Octopussy. Octopussy. Yeah. He was also in The Return of Swamp Thing and he was also in the film The Year of the Comet. All right. The next actor I have is Dick Dorock. He plays the Swamp Thing in the film. Now, he was in such films as The Enforcer. He was in the film Any Which Way You Can. You and I have talked about that a little bit off uh, mic. good film. He's also in Stand By Me, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. Oh, that's nuts. Yeah, he was also a part of Swamp Thing television series from 1990 through 1993. He played Swamp Thing
0: a lot. He I did. Like I was telling you, DC overall in their TV shows have been really good about bringing back people in general. I have to imagine that the only reason he wasn't brought back for this latest series is because he passed in, like, yeah. 2009.
1: <laughs> and unfortunately, mm-hmm. some of the uh, science that goes into making Swamp <laughs> Thing wasn't going to work on him this time. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving along, we have David Hess. He plays the role of Ferret in this film. Now, he started off in a Little West Craven film, and that was The Last House on the Left... I like that film a lot. He was mm-hmm. also in a Ruggiero Diodato film, House on the Edge of the Park. He was also in the film's Body Count, in the film Zombie Nation. But this is a neat little side fact, a little trivia here, is that he's actually a well-known musician. Now, he started off back in the 50s. Some of the stuff that he worked on kind of blew me away a little bit. He actually helped write the song All Shook Up, which right. was a huge hit for Elvis He also wrote stuff for Sal Minio, like uh, Start Movin'. He also wrote Rockin' Shoes for the Ames Brothers. He worked with Conway Twitty, Andy Williams, Pat Boone. A little bit later on, he started doing stuff for, like, mostly Italian films, Mm. things like that. He did a lot of stuff for children's television series, whatnot. But he's also won several awards for his writing. He was also a Grammy Award winner because of his rock opera, The Naked Carmen. So, I mean, a really well-established musician. He wanted to get into acting because it, it kind of challenged what he could do. Like, yeah. you know, he said he liked to portray bad guys because he can just kind of get away with it. So I think that's what he was well known for, basically, in his film career. All that acclaim, and yet that's the picture they use in his Wikipedia. I know, it's kind of freaking garbage, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving along, I have actor Nicholas Worth. He plays the role of Bruno. And one of the early films that he was in, a film that we haven't covered, we've actually talked about... It's predecessor, and that Scream, Blockula, Scream. He oh. was a part of that. He was also in the film Don't Answer the Phone. He was uncredited, but he was in The Hills Have Eyes Part 2. You might have known him for the film Heartbreak Ridge. He was also in Hell Comes to Frogtown. He was in the film Man, Best of the Best Part 2, and the film Barbed Wire, <laughs> which is pretty neat. And if
0: y'all used to play a bunch of Command and Conquer like I did back in the day, he did voices. He was General Marzak and Premier Romanov in the command and conquer series over i think multiple iterations i did
1: play a few of those Uh,
0: but i think those roles are both heavily featured in tiberian sun i don't remember for sure but i did play a ton of tiberian sun so i grew up fucking listening to the guy
1: that's awesome yeah there's a lot of people doing voice acting in this film which is really neat so the next actor i have is don knight he plays the role of harry ritter in the film he was known for being a part of the Immortal television series from 1970 through 71. He was also in Hawaii 50, the television series from 1968 through 1979. He was in the television series Maddox back in 1970. And a television series I actually watched, coincidentally enough, was Magnum PI, and that was back in 1984. All right, next actor I have is Al Rubin. He plays the role of Charlie. He's known for the films Madigan, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, and the film Love Streams. Our next actress I have is Nanette Brown. She plays Dr. Linda Holland. The only other credit that she has is the film My Boyfriend's Back. Reggie Batts plays the role of Jude. This is really his only screen appearance because I think his next thing that he did was a featurette. For the Blu-ray version of this film, but that segment was called "Hey Jude" with Reggie Batts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the next actress I have is Karen Price. She plays Arcane's messenger. She was in the film's Tapeheads, and she was also Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. I have one other actress, and that is Mimi Craven. She plays arcane secretary in the film. Oh, okay. This was Wes Craven's wife, and most stuff that he directed, you would have seen her in. She played the nurse in A Nightmare on Elm Street. She was in Seinfeld. She was in a lot of really cool stuff. Most just like little guest appearances here and there, but it's cool to see him put her in that role. All right, so that's pretty much our cast and crew. You gave us a brief synopsis. There are a few warnings we should give.
0: Adrian Barbeau's boobs.
1: Yeah, you do get to see a lot of cleavage, and there's a little bit of boobage.
0: Mostly side boob. Yeah. If you have managed to get your hands on the European version of this movie, there's an extra three minutes that includes extra naked dancers uh, (laughs) in one of the scenes towards the end. But otherwise, you don't see a single lick of them in the American version. Very
1: true. Of course, there's going to be some action beats. So, you know, some violence here and there, some gunplay, a little bit of blood. language. Yeah, some language, a little bit of blood, not much. Not much gore at all, if Mm. I remember correctly.
0: A little bit of pretty good body horror towards the end.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. (laughs) Which also kind of, ooh, talk about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, overall, it's a pretty tame film, considering, you know, I think this one can be considered a little bit family friendly.
0: And you can consider this one a little bit more of kind of how you would view a superhero movie these days. But like I said, I think they were trying to lean into the horror a little bit, especially when it came out.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there, considering. It's arguable nowadays. (laughs) Yeah, you can make a strong argument for that, considering. But yeah, dude, I think overall, like, it's tame in comparison to a lot of films that we normally cover. But nonetheless, it's still entertaining as fuck.
0: I agree. And I think we're going to kick back and get into the green a little bit ourselves while we wait for our guests to arrive. How does that make you squeal? (laughs) All right, I think I'm going to lead off here, do a little introduction for our guest, because a lot of the people we bring into this show, I'll admit, is kind of based around who I go to talk to for a lot of situations. Danny obviously started off because of his expertise in horror movies. When I need to go talk about movies, we'll talk to, like, Patrick. I'll talk to, like, if it's in general movies, then, like, we've had Haley and Quincy on the show we talk about that shit a lot. And when it gets more and more fucked up, that's when it starts to go to you. <laughs> right on. But if i need to go to other shit like if i need to talk about like some of my general nerd shit we've had like dylan on the show me and him follow a lot of the same shows week to week but if i need to go to somebody and be like yo the russos are doing Grimjack," <laughs> oh my god i'm so excited for grim jack <laughs> <laughs> right it's zach i go to hello and so i thought there's not going to be many times when we're going to be able to cover a property on this show that's also comics related, so I better get his ass on the show when it happens. So, fucking Swamp Thing. Before we get into all that, it is a horror podcast. I know that you're not huge into horror, but what little bit of history of horror do you bring to the table?
2: Uh, when it comes to actual horror, almost nothing. I yeah. have... Like, I'm glad good horror exists, I'm glad bad horror exists, I'm glad people like it, but it is not my cup of tea, unless it's Bruce Campbell. I will watch anything with Bruce Campbell in it.
0: So, well, there we have some Evil Dead. Uh, we fucking all love that shit. And I have, like, a stand-up of Bruce Campbell in that closet right now. So I uh, I used <laughs> to, like,
2: buy all the DVDs of, like, his made-for-sci-fi channel movies. Man with the Screaming Brain stuff. Like, I filmed this in Bulgaria. Because, you know, it costs $10 that way.
0: Nice. All right. Hell yeah. So now, how about... I don't like to get into the whole stupid labeling of, like, true nerd discussions, but what are sort of your nerd and geek bona fides that you would bring to the table?
2: I probably have the biggest comic book collection in town. The only stores I know of that can beat me are maybe Barnes & Noble and maybe Muse. I've been reading comics since I was seven. I spend... More money than I should admit to every month. (laughs) My reading list of, like, shit I need to get to is bigger than most people's regular book collection,
0: let alone comic book collection. Hell yeah. I I feel all that. This guy (laughs) beats me into the ground. I fucking love my comics, but...
1: Well, you had mentioned that, too, to me off mic, that if anybody's going to drop some knowledge on us, (laughs) and who has an expansive knowledge outside of your realm, it would be you, Zach, so... Yeah, it's going to be fun talking about Swamp Thing today because of that back too.
2: I have that fun, weird thing of I can barely remember the names of most people I work with. Like, I got you two down, but pretty much the rest of your department <laughs> is like, Hey, bud! It's right. good to see you, but I can tell you obscure comic book characters from, like, the 50s and half the time what their real names are.
0: Do you actually remember the character Ferret? Because I forgot that he was a real character.
2: Ferret. One of the mooks in this. I did not know that one. That is... That's obscure for my blood.
0: Yeah. I think his name has two T's in the comics. (laughs) Wait, was that the little dude? No, that was Bruno. Oh, okay. Ferret. He's like the main goon. Yeah, he's the main goon. Oh,
2: the red bandana guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't have a whole lot of sound while I was doing this, because we were making dinner and stuff, so some of the names
0: are a little lost on me, but... Alright, well, okay, so around the table, I guess, just in general... Danny, we've talked a little bit off-mic about this.
1: What's like your history with Swamp Thing in general as a character?
0: Because I think you're coming in the freshest on this movie. <laughs> yeah, so my
1: weakness <laughs> at the table right now would be comics. Now, I grew up with friends who read comics. I dabbled like a little bit, and it was just through proxy. If I was around and something caught my eye, I'd pick it up and read it. But never really pursued it. So with Swamp Thing, my background is more rooted in the film that we're discussing today... A little bit of the original 1990 series, <laughs> and that's about my limit as far as what I know. So I don't know a whole heck of a lot outside of what I researched going into this film. So that's my limited background, just stuff I grew up with. So, I guess with me, I didn't actually get into comics
0: into my 20s. However, Swamp Thing, I used to watch the, the live action series on USA with my dad. I used to wake him up. <laughs> Early ass in the mornings because I didn't understand when fucking TV schedules worked <laughs> and how all of that shit worked just to try to like wake him up to go watch Swamp Thing awesome. just day after fucking day. Swamp Thing was one of my favorite characters as a child, <laughs> along with Captain Planet and... <laughs> I was really into the uh, Toxic Avenger cartoon.
1: Nice. And yeah. had a,
0: like a few of the toys from that, and then like turtles and shit back then. God, but... there was a Toxic Avenger cartoon. Yeah, I had the No Zone toy. <laughs> <laughs> but Swamp Thing, and then I didn't know it was a comic book character. It was just from the fucking TV show for me for years and years and years, and then later when I got into comics, and people were like, oh shit, like, there's this super awesome run of comics that, like, Alan Moore did, and it's Swamp Thing. I'm like, I fucking know Swamp Thing. I used to watch the show and then read it, and I fell in love with Swamp Thing all over again. He's been one of my favorite characters since that, so.
2: Let's see, where did I first encounter Swamp Thing? I mean, I've been reading comics since I was seven, something like that. So I think I was always kind of aware, like, I knew there was a TV show, I knew there was a movie, I knew there was a character, but I didn't know anything really about him other than he looked like Creature from the Black Lagoon. Until college, in kind of stereotypical college comic nerd story, I was skipping class and at the bookstore found Alan Moore's Swamp Thing and read anatomy lesson and was like, oh my god, the world has changed. <laughs> yeah. And then.
0: That issue has that effect.
2: That is, it's a. I'm not a big Alan Moore fan. I do love his Swamp Thing run. Mm-hmm. And then I guess I got kind of closer to Swamp Thing when I tracked down. Some of the previous stuff that came before, like the stuff that Len Wein and Bernie Wrightson did, because I have this thing when there's something really famous and really big, but it wasn't like what created it. I always want to go back and see the earlier stuff yeah, and be see like, what, what did it come yeah, from. Yeah, see what was you know the brilliance of Alan Moore and see what was just strong characters and stuff. And you can find some really good comics, TV, movies, whatever, that way that get overshadowed because oh, it's not a hundred percent, but it's still an eighty percent good thing and right. it's it's like enjoyable still. It's not the Chris Claremont run. But Roger Stern's X-Men was still weird and kind of fun. Yeah, man. Like... There we go. <laughs> yeah.
0: God, This is why I love that you're on the show right now. Because I can say <laughs> something like that. Okay, so now let's get into the movie, though. Because this is something <laughs> else. What would you say the movie got right?
2: A surprising amount of the origin story was accurate. I love that they got Ray Wise to play Alec Holland. Yes. I, s- I did not know Ray Wise's name before yesterday. He was just... Oh, that guy who shows up and plays the devil a surprising amount of times. Before you showed
0: up, he's my favorite on-screen devil. Oh, uh, From what, like Reaper? From Reaper.
2: Yeah, Yeah. oh god, it was so good. Well, it wasn't good, but it was perfect for how old I was when I
0: came out. Like,
2: for what it was trying to be. Pilot by Kevin Smith. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, quick question since I'm talking about the origin. Was that his wife or his sister that was the blonde scientist?
1: Oh, in the movie it's his sister. Okay. In the movie it's his sister. Because yeah. I
2: was not sure, and he kind of treated her like both, and I referred to her <laughs> as the sister wife for the rest of the movie.
0: <laughs> Knowing the background, some of this was very weird. One of my notes is simply Alice Cable. Yeah,
2: yeah. that they mix the two characters of the guy who becomes a fly demon eventually, and and his then eventually
0: thinks... dreams Raven.
2: Oh God, I forgot about that. Yeah. And then the romantic interest mixing those was real strange. But also, Anton Arcane, as his name sort of implies, is a sorcerer, not strange an strange super military super spy. Like was yeah. he like James Bond gone evil, or I <laughs> lowfeld Maybe this like movie he... <laughs> brings up a lot
0: of questions, like and the, the fact that in the that. first like three minutes, there's a literal trouser snake. Oh my god, yeah, Yeah, the snake punch is possibly the greatest moment in that movie. Um, You have Ferret's Trouser Snake right off the beginning. We were. I thought it was hilarious.
2: We were watching it and we were like, oh, so he was, like, heard about martial arts movies and heard about Snake Fist and just didn't understand the concept. (laughs) Um, That
0: was so funny. Oh, man. I guess, yeah. Alice Cable is. That was weird. The movie's a glorious train wreck, like let's be real honest about this. To me it seemed, well that's the thing, the movie didn't seem like it knew quite what it wanted to do. The setup I thought was good, like the first thirty minutes of the movie until he becomes Swamp Thing, like you said, they got the origin mostly right. You just substitute in Anton Arcane for the Conclave.
2: Yeah, did have one curious thing, they had the glowing green, the the stuff that made him Swamp Thing but also made things explode and grow, because that worked somehow. The sister wife was like, hey, I've got this glorious thing and that explodes. And look, I can just stick my hand yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, Multiple sure. times she does. Like, the first time, sure, I understand she didn't know what was going
0: on. But she keeps doing it. I have my own theory in the back of my head that in this fucked up version of the DC universe, if you were to flesh it out, she doesn't die and just ends up becoming their version of Poison Ivy. Oh, I'd watch that.
2: <laughs> Not to jump too far into comic stuff instead of horror stuff, but...
0: The, no, that's what this... I the, warned that I warned the listeners last week. We're, we're getting nerdy this oh, episode. Okay like the,
2: the big superhero thing this year is Crisis on Infinite Earth, and they're pulling in people from all sorts of stuff. They've got fucking the Burt Ward Robin coming back, right. so there's going to be we like seven year old octogenarian right. Robin, and I am 100% in for that. <laughs> but they desperately need Dick Durbin to come in his swamp thing. He's dead. Damn it! It's okay. He's the Swamp Thing. The Swamp will bring him back for this. (laughs) We were just
1: mentioning that with uh, Victor
0: Rock. Oh, man. No, yeah, because part of the impetus for us wanting to do this episode in the first place was that the current live action show just ended a couple weeks ago. I haven't
2: watched it. I downloaded the first episode. I was so confident on all the Swamp Thing stuff I was going to read and watch before this. And I did none of it, except for the movie, like, 12 hours ago.
0: Yeah. I feel you. I was gonna read some extra stuff. Ended up just finishing the series. I was keeping up with the series week to week until the last two weeks because I didn't want it to end. Because we'll probably never hear the full story because it sounds like there was a lot of incompetence involved. But it got canceled. After I never the finished Luke week.
2: Cage for that same reason. I was just like, no, no. If I stop watching it, there will always be more I haven't seen. Yeah,
0: it is the least logical. If it wasn't for this episode, I probably wouldn't have finished it for at least the next like half year. <laughs> I would have held off on the last episode, and I was halfway through their version of the anatomy lesson, which was good. They lean into the horror element, especially like the body horror. There's a lot of really well-done gore.
2: Well, right. the graphics can deal with it now. You can see that 1982 was kind oh, of wow. doing the
0: best it could. Oh, we really need to talk about that suit, don't we? Oh, yes, we do. That was
1: one thing that really jumped out to me as well. I was like, granted, it was 1982. <laughs> well, we do know they were working on a modest budget, but it left something to be desired, for sure.
2: I'm just saying, the Star Wars stuff looked high class compared to this. Oh, yeah. And yeah. early Star Wars. The Star
0: Trek Original <laughs> Series stuff looked. High. Ooh, buddy. Ooh, buddy. <laughs> I was trying to think. I'm like, where would I rate this on like a scale of like Doctor Who effects?
1: Oh my god! Those <laughs> one, no, it's...
0: Similar that's early
2: so '80s when they still had budget. So like, I don't know, late Tom Baker, early Peter Davidson years. Yeah. Like, but not before much. they kind of gave up, but just limped along for another <laughs>
0: five years. Uh, I'm like, just how bad is this? Right? Oh no! That's definitely a crease in the latex. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. I see it. <laughs> <laughs> we were wondering this before. How much do you feel like they were actually trying to lean into the horror aspect? Because I feel like the whole second act kind of is, but I'm not sure. Again, as I said, I don't watch a bunch of horror, so I'm not sure how well to rate that. Right. Uh, but how did it read? To, I guess as someone, because you might be a little bit more susceptible to it then, too. Where were there I any thought, moments? Like, did it feel like they a shift? Maybe
2: some of the chasing him around the swamp was a little more suspenseful. And then, like, once it came time to transforming other people with the glowing green Ninja Turtle ooze.
0: I, I think it, it just might be the reanimator. Yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: my, yeah. Secret, it, that's the secret of the At ooze. that
2: point, it just kind of jumped off the deep end. And I was like, well, okay, I can't take this seriously at all anymore. <laughs> like...
1: Yeah.
0: As a little personal note, I was a little bit offended that both me and my little brother had to get killed as part of the mook squad. that had both Tyler and a Tyrone. They had a <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, god damn it. They just killed Tyler, no, nope. and then, oh, Tyrone,
2: damn yeah. it. I felt kind of bad because they showed Ferret at the very beginning before you even see the magical crotch snake or anything else that's <laughs> going on with that. And I was like, oh, he looks vaguely South American and is wearing a red headband. That's a
0: bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's, yeah, that's true. They were kind of vaguely South American, weren't they? It was 1982.
2: The Contra Rebels, I don't know if the Contra specifically was there yet.
0: America was terrified of terrorists from South America at the time it makes so, so much more sense I, I kind of noticed that the first time through and I didn't make a note of it and then it just sort of slipped my mind because I was focused more on like Ferret's trouser snake
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty fun. but you're right that sequence like having that paramilitary group down there it, it does have a feel for the reasons you had said but also reminded me a lot of those films during that era too they kind of had a similar tone of you know these counter-strikes so to speak yeah.
0: yeah, also similar to that era and persisting for a while. It feels like I thought it was really interesting <laughs> that Adrian Barbeau ended up with like a little kid sidekick for a while. Oh,
1: uh, <laughs> with Jude. <laughs> we were actually talking about this off mic. Like the '80s had a thing for either like having a token black kid in a film and/or a sidekick. even Ripley. Yeah. Ended up with a little girl, right? It's like they, their kids who were big sidekicks back then. I
2: maintain that if that kid did not get an Oscar for the depth of his acting <laughs> capabilities in this movie, then that is just a betrayal of the form.
0: Jude was awesome. I'm not sure how he had so much street knowledge living out in and the six, swamp.
1: Yeah.
2: Why was there that random gas station in the swamp,
0: too? Like, no other sign of
2: civilization, but that gas station was right there.
1: I might can talk about this a little bit, because it was filmed in my home state. Oh, okay. (laughs) South Carolina. (laughs) Are there random gas stations in swamps? A lot.
2: (laughs) Okay, learned something that I would not know living in Montana. Uh,
1: So in the Carolinas, in a large way for people in the country, that is like a, a gathering spot, social spot for a lot of typically older people. You might not get your gas there, but you would go there to socialize with the townies and, you know, get your loaf of bread or whatever. So, yeah, I was like, wow, this reminds me of the little country, because that's where it was shot, down towards Charleston. So, right outside of, like, your major cities, your towns, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of backwoods, and it It did feel oddly at home.
2: Well, and you were born, what, mid to late 80s? Uh, 81. Oh, 81, okay. So, this would have been a few years Older than you growing up around there, but I'm sure that had to be a little familiar. Yeah, yeah. It's like
1: the landscape now has changed, you know, drastically because how many people we have. But it's like it is kind of neat seeing that, like a little bit of that history they're showing in the film Hmm. that was intact for that time period. Even like one of the headstones, I don't know how authentic it was, but it read from like 17 something odd years to 1816. It's like, damn, that's like 200 year old person right there. So yeah, there's that bit of nostalgia because of that reason. So, I think
0: some of the weirdness in the last half, once he becomes Swamp Thing, and just interactions with everything in general start happening, latex suit or no, is one of the (laughs) things that I think has been hardest for all the iterations of Swamp Thing to contend with, and that's relative power level. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got healing powers. Does he have healing powers in the comics? Because I do not remember Only when he has the white power ring. Okay, thought so. Uh, Otherwise, I mean, so at the end of the movie, right after Adrian Barbeau gets stabbed, I feel like there would be something in the comics that they'd be able to be like, okay, whatever, he'll throw some moss at it.
2: His power levels have always been kind of, it's like early Superman, whatever fits the story. Like, in this one, he's just a shambling swarm, and in this one, he can grow fruit that make people have psychotic sex episodes. Like, oh yeah, I'm not Day exaggerating. That was... I heard about that. I
1: that, yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't think, without the White Power Ring, he's bringing Jude back to life. But, in general, if we're going, like, a slightly experienced Swamp Thing, sort of like Guardian of the Green sort of thing... On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad of an idea is it to tussle with Swamp Thing? Uh, Like, 8? 8 and a half? (laughs) (laughs) Even if you're super powered, how how big of a tussle, how big of a...
2: He is a plant animal in a swamp. Like, take him to the desert or something, you might be okay. (laughs) But, like, oh look, I've just fucking blew him up. And then he pulls up out of the swamp again. That's terrifying. We keep talking about Anatomy Lesson, which is the first Alan Moore story, which I think came out... After this movie came out,
0: oh, yeah, uh, I think you're Alan right.
2: Moore's run was in the '80s. This came out in '82, so if it did, it was so recent that it wasn't like huge
0: yet, right? Which but, makes you wonder why they chose Swamp Thing in the first place. If you don't have that catapulting,
2: because he's classic movie monster. That's true. But, anyways, real quick, anatomy lesson is Swamp Thing has been caught and he uh, is being dissected. And they're pulling out, the villain is a guy named Woodrow, and Woodrow's like pulling out the organs and being like, well that ain't right. Like, he has a heart, but it doesn't work like a heart is supposed to work. He just has something there that kind of looks like one, and he realizes that Swamp Thing isn't actually just like a single man or
0: person, but... Do you want spoilers for the latest series? Go ahead. very last episode, Woodrow turns into Floronic Man from eating his heart.
2: Oh, yeah, that's actually how it happened, too, I think. But
0: uh, (laughs) the Swamp Thing is basically a spirit that can
2: grow out of any Swamp, and he only had, you know, organs because he's like, oh, I think I'm a person. I should probably have organs. And then once he figured that out, he just became, like, the most overpowered character. But I don't care if you're overpowered
0: if you keep reading good stories. Right. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Once Swamp Thing realizes what he is and starts practicing it, he becomes a big problem for most characters.
2: I will say, in the movie, like they shot him and nothing happened. Okay, that made sense. They machete him and he falls apart super easy from a machete. (laughs) But okay, I'll accept that. But I feel like hitting him with a car would have done, I don't know, something a little closer to what the machete did than like... (laughs) Yeah, he just walks it off. He's like,
0: Bitch. (laughs) What? And then he rips off the top of the... Floor. That was hilarious, man. I fucking laughed so top. hard with the way that that thing got it fucking pulled, pulled away. Off. So yeah, yeah,
2: that was, like, 1950s George Reeves Superman,
0: like... So that's the big thing I did notice, was the weird wipes.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Do you think Craven might have been trying to make this feel like an old serial? I was reading that Craven wanted to prove
2: that he could do, like... Big action, big special effects, big name people. He did not succeed at (laughs) all. But I could see him, instead of trying to do Wes Craven's version of Art House movies, I don't know. I've only ever seen Scream and Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if he was trying to do a more traditional action movie. When did the first Superman movie come out?
0: 70 something. Okay, so this would have
2: been within a decade of it. So they might have been. You were asking earlier why they picked Swamp Thing. That, that might have been an attempt to be like, hey,
0: here's a superhero property that we can try out, but no one cares about. Like, We're talking the way back in the era when DC was basically the only one successful with superhero movies, well, which seems so long ago now. <laughs> in the
2: 80s, Marvel did what? Punisher with Dolph Lundgren? Yep. And I think... No, they did a Captain America, and they did a few Hulk TV movies. But it was. We don't talk
0: about most of those. <laughs> no, that, that's fair. That's that's an accurate statement as is. Uh, <laughs> For a long time, they were the only game that mattered. So I guess why not try Swamp Thing? Which is weird because DC during this era was almost
2: constantly near bankruptcy and almost got bought by Marvel like three times. Wow. They like looked into it, and they went, eh. which blows my mind. Like I'm glad they didn't.
0: I like having the two separate universes. But oh man. Yeah. So you brought up to him getting hacked apart by the machete. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't regrow that arm for a bit. He's just walking around mostly armless. Yeah, But what yeah. allows him to regrow it is when he's like, oh, sunlight. Oh, sunlight. Yeah, but he was in the, the sun. S- he was I mean, in the spot. The scene directly after, he's just like in full-on sunlight, like hanging out with Adrian Barbeau. And I'm like, but just regrow. Just Maybe he, he just he didn't, like, thing. think about it until then. He was just like, eh, whatever.
2: I'll get to it. It's not important right now. I don't know, man. As we said, this movie makes a
0: lot of decisions that it doesn't necessarily feel the need to explain. Like, oh, Anton Arcane turning into... Oh, God.
1: Ganon? Yeah,
2: it th- <laughs> we referenced that, too. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what reminded me of a Doctor Who, like, is this... Turning into... So that
0: part started off so cool. I, no, it did. It's, it's such horror.
1: good body horror when, like, his
0: fingers yeah, first start to, really like... Good. That was really He's, like, good. peeling out of the, like, yep. flesh
2: cocoon. and well, the, like, the flesh yeah, cocoon like, what, was something else. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm like, is that a giant tongue? <laughs> that's, what, that's what it <laughs> did look like. That's funny. Like... It didn't look like he was turning into a tongue when his fingers were turning purple. What's going on? Yeah, it didn't on? look like he was turning into, like, Return of the Wolfman either, but. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know. He popped out. I'm like, that's. Well, that's a choice. They blew all the money on the latex costume? <laughs> 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 what I kept thinking of is
2: uh, did you ever watch. They were live action, they were based off an anime. Uh, Bio Booster Armor Guyver like weird western live action movies based off of Oof. a Japanese comic. Mark Hamill was in the first yeah, one. as yeah, like I watched it. Hard broiled detective with like a perv mustache. We,
0: uh, we talked about, when I watched Guyver, when we talked about Tetsuo. Oh,
1: oh, damn.
2: Yeah. That's funny. It's, if you enjoyed yeah. this one, it's worth watching in okay. the same route of like, oh, what yeah, is no, happening absolutely. right
0: now. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a, its own weird story. Same kid, foster kid, which might explain how he was getting his hands on these, showed me Tetsuo the Iron Man and <laughs> the Giver in the same day, which I was a so lot funny. of weird fucked up body horror involved. Yeah, I
2: mean. <laughs> But that's specifically what I kept thinking of, of just the like the point where they obviously ran out of budget, and were like, alright, just run to the Halloween store, Like, we'll figure this
0: out. Yeah, The eyes. <laughs> I'd like to think that I might be able to come up with more convincing monster eyes than what we got from that, but... I will say, I have yeah. almost never
2: seen a werewolf that I'm
0: actually happy with in a movie. It is hard to have. Yeah, it
2: can happen. It happens not often.
0: You might enjoy Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. That might be the... <laughs> is that
2: everything it sounds like?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, draw more Mormont's in it. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um... Shit. My notes for once Arcane turns into that is just what the fuck for the rest of the movie.
2: I kept thinking of King Arthur the moment that Swamp Thing got the sword. Like, it felt (laughs) like he got Excalibur out of the Lady of the Lake, except Lady of the Lake
0: being the Swamp. What about Bruno turning into something from the island of Dr. Moreau and then being the fucking funny sidekick sidekick for the rest of the ten
1: minutes of the movie? What the fuck? (laughs) That was ridiculous. There was a lot of moments in this film where... I did have to pause it because like, this is fucking ridiculous right now. <laughs> but in like that laughable sense, it's like, I'm still going to watch it, but this is fucking nuts.
0: Yeah. I had only seen this movie one other time, and I had forgotten wow. I got to that point. I did remember the weirdness of Swampy's face in this movie. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. That's something that really stands did out. Did they
0: try to make it look kind of like Ray Wise and
1: then <laughs> just weren't good at it? Well, Ray Wise is like 5'9", <laughs> and I think, what was his name, Dick? He's, like, like, 6'3", or something mm-hmm. like that, so that's part of the reason, like, we can't pull this off because he has to be an imposing figure. <laughs> <laughs> we can't just put Ray Wise in makeup. And yeah. The him on it fucking wasn't boxes testing, right. the entire time. Yeah. I, it just wasn't going to work out. So. <laughs> I like, think it's funny.
0: We keep going back to the, that fucking costume. I can't get that weird smoothness. Yeah, um... <laughs> we were making
2: jokes about, like, petroleum or, like, Plastic thrown away into the swamp is what the Swampy was built out of this time (laughs) like well There's a bunch of old rubber tires back there. I guess that will work
0: That's always been one of my favorite things with comics being a visual medium as well Is that you get so many different versions of what Swamp Thing looks like depending on what he grows himself out of He's got like an Alan Moore beard and hair right now so like long
2: beard long hair all made out of vines which is so And dope. it's super good. Like it's ridiculous, <laughs> but I am
0: here for ridiculous comic book characters. I really like when uh he grew himself out of a rose that was given to Abby during her trial in Gotham. <laughs> That's a weird story. That's fucking Alan Moore's great. He's done <laughs> old cigarettes from Constantine. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. How about this? Favorite Swamp Thing moment. Because I have one, but I'll let you go first. Unless no, no, go ahead so I up. can
2: actually think about this. Yeah, uh, yeah,
0: So, favorite Swamp Thing moment. I was telling Danny about this before, especially because it really factors into our show quite a bit. During the Hellblazer run, the original Vertigo run, on the Constantine comics, they had him age real time. Most comics don't do that. Yeah, that was. it was the last comic to... Well, I guess Savage Dragon does it, but otherwise... So he got to his 40th birthday... And there was a giant party. Satana showed up. Got What's the character's name? The Like the Lord of Feasts or something. He's a really cool character, real fun. He shows up. At a certain point, they're like already halfway through. They're all getting drunk. Zatanna's talking backwards just because she's drunk. <laughs> and Swampy shows up to tell Constantine happy birthday. And Constantine makes him grow a weed plant and dry it out so they could have something to smoke for the, <laughs> the evening. <laughs> I love that Constantine
2: exists because Alan Moore and Steve Bissett were making Swamp Thing. And Steve Bissett was like, hey Al, I assume Al, "Uh, I really want to draw Sting. Sting is super popular right now. Let me draw Sting. And he's like, yeah, all right, here's weird douchey, well, Sting's already douchey, but weird douchey magician Sting. And the world was just like, yes, this is what we need in life.
0: I fucking love me some Constantine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I am one of the people that was like, yes, this is what we need in life. And especially those early ones. You're just like, oh, so they just straight up put Sting into the comic. Oh, yeah. Okay, (laughs) that's funny. (laughs) And then, of course, Alan Moore claims to have ran into him twice since. Sting? No, Constantine. He says he's run into Constantine. There is three writers or four writers that have written on Constantine that have claimed to have ran into him in real life. Alan Moore, I believe Jamie Delano, and I can't remember the others. Neither one of those surprises me, though. That's... <laughs> Alan Moore is the only one that claims to have ran into him twice. And I think the only one that claims to have heard him speak. <laughs> and it wasn't the first time, it was the second time he ran into him. And he says that, something like he came up to him and told him, it was 13 words, I can't remember it exactly, but it's, uh, I'll tell you the secret to real magic, any cunt can do it. <laughs> I'm not
2: saying that this happened when Alan Moore was on a bunch of drugs at a comic book convention, <laughs> but I'm
0: not saying that's not what
2: happened prior.: <laughs> <Right.
0: laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Speaking of a bunch of drugs, I do really wish that any of the Swamp Thing materials got into the green more. But... Well, as I said, I don't think they existed yet when this first one came out. Right. Yeah, the idea of the green wouldn't have existed during this one, I don't believe. Not in the way we think of it now anyway.
2: Do you know what the green is? Do yeah, I sound I, crazy no, 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 when you're no. about I, this?
1: I did a little bit of research because I knew going into this I was gonna be the rookie. And I didn't want to be the guy just like sitting here without something to contribute. <laughs> <laughs> but I did read about the green and, and what it meant in terms of like his elemental power and like the iterations too that came from it before Alec mm-hmm. and you know, all that stuff. So I do know a little bit, not a whole bunch, but yeah.
2: Just for anyone listening, if they don't know, the green is the, like, basically, I don't know, spirit, the overmind, the whatever, of plants. The col- yeah, the vegetation. collected
0: subconscious of every plant. It was the 80s. Mm. <laughs> Including alien plants. I love when he grows himself on other planets. Oh, yeah, yeah he right goes to Adam that. Strange yeah. once. Mm-hmm. Or uh,
2: Ram. And then they always pick a guardian, and they pick Swampy. I love that they did the fire you have to have fire to make a swamp thing. Yeah, I felt like he should have been, like, screaming or something when that happened, though. Yeah. They, like, set him on fire, and he just fucking pelts for the water. He doesn't actually look like he's in pain at any point. It's just no. like the human torch is going for a jog right now. Like... <laughs> that was kind of an impressive fire stunt, though. I felt like he held yeah, it out for a while. I, am, I would not want to have been that stunt man right there. No. That looked
0: miserable. But that's one of the things, you have to have fire in the death to create a swamp thing, because otherwise you end up with Earth 2 Solomon Grundy. Is that why he... He was a failed swamp thing. Oh, okay. I knew he like died out in Slaughter Swamp and came back. Fire wasn't involved in his death, and oh, still okay. tried it anyway, and that's why he's part plant matter.
2: I was going to say, later on in Earth 2, in like I think 2012 that was Earth, when it was coming out, he was of the Grey, which was like... Kind of the proto rot. Yeah, it was basically death. He was to death what Swamp Thing was to the Green.
0: I kind of like the rot version more than the Green. Yeah, I
2: haven't read a ton of Rot World, but it was interesting what I did read.
0: Abby becomes Avatar of the Rot. I make heard about that makes yeah, right? yeah. sense. And she looks dope as Avatar of the Rot. <laughs> Wasn't Animal Man's
2: kid like that too, or something? I just remember of the her. Red.
0: Oh, of the Red. Okay, but it was a Animal bunch of Man. Dead animal man isn't actually the champion of the red his kid is destined Mm. to be so he has to keep his kid alive that's what it is okay and so then yeah
1: so then the red is the animal version of the green yeah i did read some of that leading up now what helped me too is that there is a collection of people who enjoy comics and all that good stuff so i had a little bit of help with that because there's some guys who have some good knowledge on the origin stories and then The offshoots, depending on the author and the series run, etc. As much as I
0: love the character, there's still a lot I haven't read. Uh, It's hard to
2: find anything pre-Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. I know because I've looked. <laughs> I found a little like digest version, so like the size of like a manga or like the Archie that you can buy at the oh, store. Yeah, it had like the first five or six issues in it, and then I lost it. I think in a swamp actually, <laughs> um, because I took it backpacking with me. The swamp me. reclaimed it. Yeah, yeah. this, yeah. Is, I, I, I this is our story. I was like, I'm not mad. Um, <laughs> but that's all I've been ever able to find. Like I'm sure yeah. they have. DC classic, fancy, expensive, pay me $80
0: for this hardcover that is, God love it, not worth
1: $80.
0: (laughs) I've read a little bit of the Mark Miller run, which was plotted by Grant Morrison.
2: That makes me a little more trusting. I was a big Mark Miller fan when I was like 16, and then I read him about two years ago, and I was like, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, things I loved as a teenager strikes again.
0: Yeah, it was when he was first getting into the industry and Morrison was sort of helping give him a leg up and I think he plotted most of the run and then it ended early when he sort of ran out of Morrison plot.
2: Yeah, it was, (laughs) I've read about it, I've never read this run, but
0: like Swamp Thing was supposed to basically become the Avatar and learn like all four elements. Like I said, I haven't finished it yet, but they're starting to get to where I'm at for sure is like I think he's about I think he just learned to rock where I'm at (laughs) (laughs) he's not as good as Toph
2: nah I mean that's an unfair competition
0: as
1: long as
2: he's good as
0: like the boulder he'll be okay like (laughs) I'm curious to see how it all ends up, even though I know that it was I know, cut off short. But.
2: I know even Mark Miller doesn't talk that happily about it, and Mark Miller will talk happily about anything he's ever written.
0: Yeah. Well, and we're gonna get to see more of the Miller verse on Netflix. <laughs> it's
2: okay. It's better when he has an idea and gives it to someone else to make a movie with. Like Kingsman, I loved the movie. I don't care. I don't think I even bothered to finish the comic.
0: Right. Movie is fun. Both movies are fun. The first one more than the second. I
2: haven't seen the second one yet. It's
0: still fun. And that is fun. <laughs> it's a sequel. Yeah, shit. Oh, did you have a favorite Swamp Thing? What's your favorite Swamp Thing moment, Danny? This movie? <laughs> well, yeah, the my, TV show? Well, yeah,
1: limited knowledge of it. I, you know, honestly... The the cartoon we watched? <laughs> that was Swamp Thing! ridiculous, right? So that just adds more onto the ridiculousness. But, no, my favorite moment, honestly, I mean, aside from watching the film, is. Getting to learn more about the character itself, how it started off and that like we talked about, just like that one-off, our standalone, and then learning like, all right, now there was like a little bit of a clamor for it, so Lynn Wein and uh, Bernie Wrightson, did what, like 13, uh, I guess, odd comics on that, and then it got picked up by a few other guys, so it was neat to learn like how it started, why it started, and then, of course, what we know of it today, it's really Early feud with
0: Man-Thing.
2: That might be my favorite thing about Swamp Thing. First, though, favorite moment in the movie, if, if going for okay. that, is the Anton Arcane has this line of, like, he won't be subtle. And then it's just a swi- random switch to Swamp Thing screaming in the, the uh, swamp. Like, he won't be subtle. Then switch, ah, And then switch away to something else. Like, there was literally no point for that except for an editor's like, I bet you no one will notice. <laughs> <I bet>. um, <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, I didn't say my favorite from the movie, so I'll I'll throw in my favorite from the movie, which I think has to be a swamp thing seeing Adrian Barbeau topless and then deciding he has to go throw the journal in the swamp. That shit is so ridiculous. (laughs) I thought that was funny. He's like, yeah,
1: he goes from this, you know, this moment of enjoying her beauty, so to speak, and, uh, yeah. (sighs) Uh, Movie moment? I think I mentioned this to Zach. um, There's a moment where... She's in that little convenience store that little, Okay. Yeah. with the kid, and you know he's like, yeah, of course we got a gun. And she goes to use it, and it pops, and then you have this quick cut where she <laughs> drops it. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that, was, that, that was funny, man. There was little moments like that where you talked about the hood peeling back. Guys getting pulled off. Just ridiculous, mostly some of the wipes. Yeah, but that's what kind of made it enjoyable, too. It's just, it was so like, stupid. But it was it was effective. It worked. It was campy, and I'm not sure how
2: aware, like, Wes Craven it? was yeah. that it was campy, but I think everyone else knew that it was campy.
1: Like right. I'm sure there's probably a little tongue-in-cheek moments here and there. I mean, it is the guy that did scream. Yeah, exactly. So, that's true. You know, you guys kind of mentioned it, too. Is From what I understood, it's... This was supposed to be kind of like a parody, so to speak, of like the nineteen fifties mad scientists and the creatures that spawned out of it. It's definitely like a latex monster movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there's some of that. You know, that's what it makes me wonder too. Like, did they knowingly pick out that costume? Like, you know what? We know it looks like (laughs) shit, but fuck it. Who cares?
2: I I don't know, Dick. Dick, what's his name? The the guy who played it, Durock. Must not have hated it too much. He did two movies and a 72-episode TV show in it. Now,
0: the TV show suit looks way better.
2: He talks about that, too. They like He's like, man, the movie that they tried like was not very good. The movie that they didn't try was better. And then the
0: TV show with a half the budget was great. Yeah, that suit is fantastic. That's why I fell in love with the character. Yeah. Anyway, overall favorite Swamp Thing moment?
2: Uh, it, it's probably similar to his. I just... I don't necessarily have like, here's a moment in the comics where this is the coolest thing Swamp Thing ever did, but just the interesting little facets of the character that have popped up because he's been in so many different things, mm-hmm. ranging from he's based off an older character called The Heap, and he was uh, Len Wein, the guy who created Swamp Thing, was living with Gary Conway, the guy who was writing Man-Thing for Marvel, and they're not really sure where it came from and who yeah. ripped
0: off who they were going to sue each uh, other until somebody was like the heap
2: they kind of talked about <laughs> it, it and then they're right. like "Ah, oh,
0: this ain't worth it like
1: uh
2: or i guess marvel and dc more than like gary and right. uh uh len
0: lost track of where i was going with that i'm sorry um it's okay because bringing up len we have brought up len before on the show you guys actually that is so okay. interviewed him once or something like no that, but a know? guy that okay. worked with him oh okay um our interview with the director of Savage Land. It's a fantastic horror movie that Len actually appeared in because yeah. he always wanted to be an actor, apparently, but has made an absolute indelible mark on comics. And Zach, maybe you, you should tell the people why they should know the name. Okay, Len let's ween. see.
2: Len Ween. Wine Ween? Ween. 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 Thank you. Len Ween is probably the greatest unknown name in comics to the standard people. You have absolutely seen movies with his characters or stuff that he edited. He was a writer and editor. He's still a writer and editor. He did a Swamp Thing run just like two or three years ago. His probably biggest claim to fame is he created Wolverine. He helped create Storm, Nightcrawler, and Colossus from the X-Men. Like, other than like Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Professor X, if it's an X-Man that you've seen on the movie, there's a good chance he was creating it or edited it. He created Lucius Fox in Batman, who was played by Morgan Freeman in the Dark Knight trilogy. He did a bunch of work with Plastic Man, which is really cool, even if it's not anything you would have heard of. (laughs) He was the editor for Watchmen, which was originally supposed to be existing characters from a company called Charlton. And Len was the one that was like, hey, we just spend a bunch of money on these characters. We would really love it if you didn't kill them all. Why don't you make your own? So Blue Beetle became Night Owl, etc., etc.
0: Mm-hmm. Question Le- became Rorschach.
2: Yeah, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt became Osmond Deus. Peacemaker became the comedian, and Nightshade became Silk Spectre. I don't think I'm missing anyone, but the important part is if there is a facet of comic books, Len Wein has been there, and all the comic creators that went on to take his characters and make the most amazing stuff are like, oh man, that Len. That, that Len knows what he's doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, X-Men... I think most people have seen an X-Men movie at this point, so you've seen his characters. If you don't know who Wolverine is at this point, I don't know how to help you. Like, <laughs> right. I... Everybody yeah. go watch
2: Logan. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only one you really need to watch of his, let's be honest.
0: Yeah, that's true. Definitely don't go watch an Origins. Oh, God.
1: <laughs> I, know. I think that's another interesting thing to see, like, being here now with this episode with Swamp Thing, having that interview with Simon, the director, or one of the directors from Savage Land, and the fact that Len Wein happened to be in that film, it's kind of neat seeing how all these dots connect, you know, and the the different histories that people have with it, and uh, just having you on board and you knowing what you know, like the rich history, uh, so I just want to shout out Simon again, because it was so yeah. cool when he was on the show. Go watch Savage Land. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it just makes me appreciate... He's a huge nerd, too. He's super into Brother Voodoo. He got yeah, he Len Wine onto his show. Of course he's a nerd. That's awesome,
1: man. So that's what I'm getting at. It's like it's neat to see the fandom, like whether it's rooted in the comics, whether it's rooted in horror, a combination of the both. It's fun seeing how these pieces connect. It's also, like, everybody go read the anatomy lesson. Uh,
0: uh, it's got me intrigued.
2: Yeah, it's, I mean, he's. I saw it over there, he's got it on his shelf. Similar to Complimenting Len, though, I do want to take a moment of talking about how brilliant an artist they got with Bernie Wrightson, Wrightson. when they first started off. Wrightson's another one who never really took off. I never knew who they were until I read the Swamp Thing. and went, wow, this guy's really good. Mm-hmm. But as I look at modern artists, a lot of modern artists have... I'm not saying stolen from him, but Obvious was an inspiration. Rags Morales, specifically, every time I look at him now, I'm like, wow, that's how Bernie writes and draws eyes. Like, mm. you could not have gotten a better artist to start that off. The only other thing I could think of that he did that was any kind of famous is he wrote a Batman story with Jim Starlin. Starlin created Thanos and killed Jason Todd. So, wide right. range of things he's done. <laughs> I wish I had seen more Bernie writes, and he passed away, uh, I think, two or three years ago now. Like... Mm. Just after I figured out who Bernie Wrightson was, he fucking died. And I was like,
1: well, that's kind of what I happened think... with me figuring out who Len Wein is. And maybe, was it last year? Yeah, last year. I think he passed. Yeah. So it's like, uh, it's yeah, I just now
2: realized Len Wein died. So thank you
1: for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, so I am gonna bummer, go right? be sad about life now. <laughs> it's a bummer. We do talk about that. A lot of is We talked about that on this show. It's like, unfortunately, you know, some of the people we grew up watching or knew about, they do pass and. No, we're things. right at that time where it's
0: like, oh, all the shit I loved. Yeah.
1: A lot of big <laughs> comics writers and
2: stars are kicking the bucket at this point. And everyone's like, It's tragic. I'm like, he was ninety five, man. <laughs> right. Like thinking Stanley specifically. Anyway, but,
0: uh, I just introduced my little sister to Spider Verse this weekend and I got up to Stan's part and I'm over there like <laughs> I was, I, I was doing pretty good on that, <laughs>
2: and then in Captain Marvel they did the like Marvel intro oh, thing and god, instead of characters it was all Stanley, and I was
0: like, well, I'm going to go cry in a corner, I'll be right back. Oh, that was, yeah. I was the same way. I'm like, I'm doing good. Then I went and watched Captain Marvel. I'm like, oh god, why? Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is there anything else
1: super pressing anybody would like to say about the movie? I mean, aside from like some of the catchphrase things that I, <laughs> Jude brought to the table, you know, that goes to the neighborhood, and little stuff like that. You don't kick it, you gotta punch it. Yeah. Like that. I was like, man, this is the most like '80s thing. Grown up, remembering is like little catchphrases and token kids and sidekicks and whatnot. I thought it was an interesting way to, to revisit a Wes Craven film that a lot of people probably don't realize he directed. It was one
2: of his earliest ones, yeah, too. I mean, like, they did not really...
1: This is, like, coming off the back of Last House on the Left and more previously to that, The Hills Have Eyes. Which, after those two, I wouldn't have guessed that this is what he would do. I know, <laughs> right? That's what I'm getting at. It's like, is it kind of a... Well, not House a star on the left? It's kind
0: of hard to get through, man. Yeah, That's an extreme movie. It
1: really is. And having David Hess being that familiar face... Mm-hmm. Uh, in this film, it was like wow, completely turned. But anyway, it's neat seeing that like his progression too in the filmmaking because we talked about the fact like not long after this, he went on to do a Nightmare on Elm Street. The fact that, that it we had, might as
0: well be a Wes Craven podcast at this point because uh, yeah, we, we only have like s- two more of his horror movies to get to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah,
1: essentially at this point. But it's just neat seeing that that progression, like to so the history. It's another history lesson for me. Like your background, your knowledge. A little bit of my knowledge, but uh yeah, it's it's just fun. I like I like those connecting pieces.
0: Man, I might end up watching all those seventy two episodes of Swamp thing, I'll tell you what uh, after this. Looking at
2: talking about product of its time, the amount that they were like able to get away with starting the opening shot right on God, what is her name? Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau's right on her chest, and being like, Oh, right, the face like <laughs> every time she showed
0: up. And it is what it is, but it uh so, because of that particular time period in movies, she was one of the actresses known for those particular. Yeah, that's what parts. she was. Yeah. She was
2: known for. She had a very nice chest and uh, let people get away with looking. At I do. It, so. Yeah, I do want to
0: say though that like she's an attractive woman, but there's levels to these things, and you get up to resting bitch face, and then <laughs> one level above is Adrian Barb. <laughs> <laughs> I am done with your
2: shit face. Yeah,
1: I thought that was kind of funny. Like. She was very capable, but then, of course, they She was own. a badass. When there, it came like, down to it, she was able to do shit. There was shit, a though. combo she threw on one guy. I was like, holy shit, is this for real right now? She, like, knees him, throws a punch, and then kind of, like pushes off and gets away. But then she does the the typical, like, I don't know which direction to go in the woods, and then I'm going to stumble right in the middle of the road. <laughs> I'm a government agent i think she was a government yeah, agent yeah, yeah. I'm but for some reason middle. i
2: thought high heels was a good idea yeah. in the swamp, in the swamp. <laughs> i mean that's still a problem they had that in jurassic world and
0: that only came out a couple years ago but like right. you know what? i'm just gonna try to keep from thinking too much on how weird it is to combine those characters into one <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is super uncomfortable if you read the comics some of the shit uh yeah the shit that happens with matt is uncomfortable enough anyway
2: <laughs> really yeah, I don't read that issue again. Like, I read it once and I was like, well, this was very good and I am going to just skip it in the future because I don't want to have to like have long th- moments staring out the window into the rain contemplating this. Like, Danny, I can see you're curious
1: now. Well, I, I didn't did know you a little read bit it? about Matt Cable. And- <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you read about it? Well, it depends on what you're talking about, too. Like Anton uh, using
0: Matt's body. <laughs> oh, as like the fly and stuff yeah, like, like that. Yeah, like... Was- Possessing him
2: or whatnot. He's he's creating rotting corpses with his brain for like sexy
1: well, then, times, like, and yep. then like oh, oh I got in a like car crash. Thing with, yeah. Is it thing with his niece, arcane.
0: Yeah, baby. Because I, usually... well, I talked about his brother <laughs> a little bit because that, that's something I read about too. But it was using the body of Matt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is fucked up. Nothing
2: good came from like the no. side characters in Swamp Thing.
0: Uh...
1: then, what was it? Did he come back from like hell or something like that? As a fly, is that how that happened with Arcane? Uh, yeah, because she yeah. was ripped down
0: to hell for a bit, and Swamp Thing same had same to go save her. save her. Yeah,
1: there was like the Dante's Inferno thing. I think they said that. Yeah, a lot of bad shit happens to people in that series.
2: A lot of bad shit happens to Swamp Thing. I was reading about the TV show a little bit because I fell down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. And apparently, in the first few episodes of the TV show, he's got a kid sidekick. Not Jew Not or whoever, Jude, but... but just kid sidekick number seven. It was 1991. People yeah. loved kid sidekicks. Um, and like 12 episodes in, they're like, we need to retool this. We need it to be dark. <laughs> so they wrote him out. But the way they wrote him out oh, yeah. was he was kidnapped by child slavers and never seen again. Oh, shit. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> <Like, laughs> Like, apparently, in, like, towards the end of the series, they had, like, a throwaway line about him wow. being rescued off-camera.
0: But there's just seasons and, and seasons. Yeah, or, well, he just
2: swamped Thing's little buddy, got kidnapped by child slavery, and he's like, you man. got this, kid. Like, <laughs> We're, <laughs> this.
1: Island. We're good. <laughs> Jesus. <Jeez. laughs> oh, God.
0: Oh.
1: It's two weeks in a row <laughs> <laughs> right. team jokes. It's gotta happen. But. Oh, yeah. Like I said, that's the thing I find very interesting as a whole. How in depth this character is, you know, not knowing whether or not he is Alec, if he's just like you were saying, the an imprint from uh, from the Green and whatnot, and just another incarnation of Swamp Thing, uh, which I found fascinating too. like, wow, there's a ton of Swamp Yeah, facts. there's so many that you can play with, and it explains Alex Olson. And you know, etc., etc. So it depends on, on who you're reading and uh, it's <laughs> how like, they it, felt like about the
0: run that came before them. Yeah, <laughs> which Alan Moore hated, but uh, <laughs>
2: immediately killed off everyone pretty much. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With what you're saying on that, though, uh, part of what I love about kind of B and C level characters, characters that aren't Spider Man or Superman right. or Batman, and they run eight comics, and there's always big movies coming out about them and stuff. And like, I love those. Eternals too, but... that only had okay. The, the Eternals is a good example. With the Eternals, you can change stuff. You can do weird things and you don't have to have it so at the end of the day, he's Spider-Man because there's another six comics coming out in the next two months. Mm-hmm. He's not the A-list character. Those weird background characters that the writer becomes fond of so they just like show up throughout whatever series they're writing at the time but they're never going to hold their own book. You can do more with it. And I think Swamp Thing kind of had the advantage of that too. Sure. We can kill him and make him so he's not actually Alec Holland. Well, if you were something like Superman's not actually Clark Kent, that would never work. You would never be allowed to get away with that.
0: No, that's absolutely. Yeah. I guess you can, you definitely can fuck with those characters more basically. (laughs) I, I like all those background characters just because they tend to be in so many stories that are going on in the background that are, so epic that aren't even acknowledged you get this idea that they do have an
2: entire active life but you just don't necessarily see it mm-hmm. DC had a character named Cave Carson who was not interesting to be fair he was like <laughs> an adventurer who adventured in caves and fought I don't know lava monsters it was like 1950s <laughs> was adventure stuff adventure. Gotcha. So. And, but he kept showing up throughout comics and you got the impression that he had other adventures going on that you just didn't know about to the point that one time he showed up and he suddenly had a cybernetic eye. <laughs> he just had a robot eye and they never explained why. That's awesome. It never came up until <laughs> actually just recently uh, My Chemical Romance guy, uh, Gerard... Gerard oh, Gerard Way wrote a comic because he was like flipping through the DC Encyclopedia and found Cave Carson and he's like, oh, that's weird. I didn't know he had a cybernetic eye. Why is that? And it didn't bother... It's was just like, at some point, he got a cybernetic eye. So he wrote a comic literally titled Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye that's
1: awesome just because it's the greatest name of a,
2: the comic itself was
0: good not great but the, yeah. the title is just top notch I, like I just like him in general awesome. I'm not the biggest fan of like any of his work but all of his work makes me smile enough that I end he's up he's one of those him. people where I'm like god I'm glad you exist and add
2: to this world even if I'm not like a devoted fanboy
1: yeah yeah exactly pretty much not right on the head for me too <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Well, and that's, see, that's another thing, too, I think, not having a background in comics and then, you know, having this these realizations like, oh, that's why this character can show up here because it's all a part of the same universe. It's just, how much do you want to read into it? How much variation is it on this character, etc. So, yeah, I think that's another really fun thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I get out of it. It's just, there's a lot of depth to it. Mm-hmm.
0: I also get that Ray Wise comes on strong when he's hitting
1: on shows. Dude, but. that's something that really... <laughs> I that was it, aggressive, man. That was <laughs> like... It, was, <laughs> it didn't bother me to an extent because I'm like, I understand why they're doing this, but it's like, who shows up on the first day, takes a boat ride, and then not soon after this discovery... Makes out with their boss. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm like, wow, that was like less than just a few hours.
2: Yeah, I, I actually yelled that at the TV a couple of times where she was... I don't think Shepard was like Swamp Thing I love you but did everything short of that I'm like you met him yesterday you have known him for hours (laughs) calm down I know you need to sleep and a lot has been going on but he hasn't even
0: given you the psychedelic sex fruit (laughs) oh fucking Swamp Thing gets trippy you should read you some Swamp Thing
1: I read a little bit about that but no I, I do I think I'm more inclined now to like explore these things outside of just the surface level you know like I, I enjoy reading if it's a good character if it's a good story I'll read it Fuck it you know Well yeah well we can hook you up with that Nice I don't
0: know. I think we're done with this movie aren't we I think so I mean
1: outside of you know like just fuck this movie just We editing. might have
2: talked about this movie longer than the movie went on
0: that, yeah. we're getting pretty close It was no. that movie was <laughs> 93 minutes long We're not quite there yet but we're getting we're
1: right on the the cost. Treading. riding right yeah, like I feel like say it's fun to to explore something through the eyes of West Swingy Craven thang and uh, thing. <laughs> Yeah, you are amazing <laughs> jesus but yeah it's just knowing that too like there's this resurgence in the 80s with the television series cartoon series and more recently again with the short-lived series unfortunately but you know it just shows you like this worth is it this is a character that has it ends kind of weak but it's a, worth it. a unique shelf life like
0: because you can play with that character he should get played with more, considering environmental concerns these days. But. He's
2: not unique in comics, because its he's far from the first or last character to get mixed with, like, let's do horror and superhero right. at the same time. But the only character I can think of that's ever been remotely as popular as him mixing the two would probably be Blade the Blade Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Definitely not,
0: like, uh. Hellstrom.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, the Son of Satan, or... Devil Slayer, who I still don't know his, what his deal was. I uh, uh, think Blue Devil. Blue Devil, Brother Ew. Voodoo. Like, there's a lot of good characters in there, and a lot of bad characters. But, like, none of them got quite the recognition that Swampy somehow got. Oh,
0: Muckmouth. Muck-encrusted mockery of a man. <laughs> it's one of my favorite taglines for a person. <laughs> well, shit, I hope you all were entertained by that. I, enlightened yeah enlightened that went fucking nerdy that was great <laughs> no, I that was a lot that was really. this is my life <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean hit subscribe please however you're listening to us right now you can always head over to the website www.friedsworms.com. there's additional ways of listening to us up at the top the latest episode always streaming down at the bottom. You can find the archive in the middle as well as links to all of our portals, the Facebook, the Insta, the Twitter. You can hit us up through the website or by emailing us squirmcast at gmail.com.
1: Fuck, I think that's it. (laughs) Uh, If you'd like to leave us a suggestion, a recommendation, we say that, you know, if you're in the industry, if you need some eyeballs on your film, let us know. We're always up for that as well. If you just want to say hello.
0: If you want to be like, Swamp Thing sucks, Poison <laughs> Ivy could beat his ass ten ways till Sunday, we'll fight about it. I'll happily tell you you're wrong on that one. Yeah, that's that's not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah you are wrong. Unless you're talking about using Poison Ivy against me in Injustice 2, in which you probably will kick my ass. <laughs> but for this
1: week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. I'm Zach. Fried Squirms, Out. out.